talking about, guys? Like, why don't you break and why? Why do you even say what? And how many ladies? I'm just gonna ruin your whole intro by talking about the single ladies and who. All right, you're on. Who might be? Oh, let me hit the music. Yeah. Oh, we rolling. Hello, everyone. Oh my goodness Welcome to the dysfunction. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. We are so glad. This is a train wreck from the beginning. That's kind of become our shtick. And uh, that's just the way that it is. My name is Zach Adams. So glad that you're joining us tonight, uh, Wednesday night. It is September 28th. So glad you're with us. Uh, I am the luckiest guy in the world. Not only am I married to Jessica, I outputted my coverage, coverage without a doubt. I'm the proud papa of Quincy, Theodore, and Mabel. And I pastor the greatest church on the planet, Calvary 316. If you disagree with me, uh, come visit. And then you'll know that we're the greatest church around. Uh, you can check out the church by visiting calvary316.com. Uh, our service is Sunday at 1030. We're located just outside of Athens, Georgia. Um, again, if you're local, visit us. If you're not, but looking for a good church to watch online, uh, you can, uh, again, learn all about the church by the church website, calvary316.com. But our YouTube channel, which we stream to on Sunday mornings, is calvary316.live. So I encourage you to check us out, especially if you don't have a church um, that you're not plugged into. I, let me say this because I think that this is important. Um, when, when I say that, it, if you live in an area and you're like, I've been trying to find a church and I've just kind of fallen back to watching a church online. And I, let me even just say, let's say you, you've taken me up on this and you watch Calvary 316. Um, you, you watch our service online on Sundays and you're like, oh, I'm plugged into a church. You're not. You need to find a church. Now, now you can find a church. Maybe that church doesn't have very good Bible teaching. And this is a good church, but like, you know, some things you like, some things you don't, but there's just not a really great church that fits your criteria and your community. You still need to find a church. You need to plug into the church. Our services get, get archived. The Bible studies get, get archived. Like if you're like, man, I'm not getting Bible teaching. It's a good community of believers. Plug in, be part of that. And then you can get fed like in a supplemental way. Uh, and beyond Calvary 316, beyond my teaching ministry, you can go to EnduringWord.com, David Guzik. You can watch his his studies. You can go to my dad's website, SandyAdams.org. You can you can check that out. Or Joe Foch. Like there, what's great about the internet, and I think this is a really interesting point, is that like you can get Bible teaching, solid Bible teaching, weekly, daily, even, um, if you want. Uh, but at the same time, online church is not church. Um, you need a community of people to plug into. So, so in kind of the opening spiel that goes on, um, I always say, if you're local, come check us out. If you're not, watch us online. But I want to make sure it's clear that's not a substitute for church. Like there's, a, there's something important about being in the community of saints, making uh, connections with individuals, being blessed by that, and being a blessing. Um, you know, going to a church where you're not just receiving and being ministered to, but you're also ministering, that you're praying for people, or you're teaching Sunday school, or uh, ushering, or, or, or all the various ways that you're just being a part of the body of Christ. And that's such a significant thing. You know, over the course of time, I, I'll run into people that are like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I just don't like church. I, I have a hard time with that, really, just to be fair. I have a hard time with that. I'm a Christian, but I just don't like church, because Jesus describes the church as his bride. So what you're kind of saying is like, I really like Jesus, but I hate his wife. And that just really like that doesn't work. And so again, you're never going to find a perfect church. If you do, don't go because you'll ruin it. You know what I mean? 
So at the same time, like just find a place, go attend. I'm not saying find a place that's teaching heresy. It might not check all of your boxes, but just go and plug in and be faithful and God will bless that. And then if you need supplemental teaching, there's the internet for that. So anyway, that's a, a side rate. I am joined as always by uh, the master of this dysfunction, uh, the master, the, the maestro of this dysfunction. Man, the, you forgot your uh, own intro. My own me. intro. Anyway, Craig uh, Vaughn, Dick Dastardly, yes. aka. Hello. I could not agree with Zach Moore. Uh, if you're looking for Bible teaching on the internet, Joe Foch, David Guzik, Pastor Sandy, all really great choices. Zach Adams. Um, that's really the Zach that's Adams. really the end all be all of the list is those three guys. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Oh, let me uh, Damian <laughs> Kyle, uh, Calvary Chapel Modesto, <laughs> also great. Um, I mean, there Damian there Kyle are, is wonderful. There are you know what? Hey, let me tell you something, great. And this is kind of interesting. So when I was in the hospital. Uh, that's a long story. I'm going to kind of get to a little bit of it today. Um, but I was in the hospital for 10 weeks and um, in the ICU. But uh, there was a point in which I was awake. I was cognitive. I was kind of rolling. And, and it was a Sunday morning. Uh, one of the nurses who was my friend happened to be hanging out in my room. And I had like just normally they would put they would put the the station on ESPN uh, so I could just watch Sports Center. But I really it was it was it was a weird phenomenon. It's like I want. Like I want to attend church today and I could, I couldn't like attend Calvary 316 just the way that the internet was working at the hospital. But like, I wanted a Bible study. Like I, I get, I can't talk. I got a trach sticking on my neck. I'm, I'm a disaster, but like I wanted something. And so, you know, they, they, they started scrolling through the TV for me and no joke. I was like, stop. I want to watch this. I watched when I was in the hospital, a sermon by Charles Stanley. Really? Calvary, uh, not the Calvary Chapel, but uh, First Baptist Atlanta. First Baptist Atlanta. So Andy Stanley's North Point. That's his gotcha. son. But Charles, now Charles was my mom and dad's pastor way back when. First Baptist Atlanta. And and like I'm listening to this Bible study and I'm like, man, this is like, yes, it's the most simplistic elementary thing I've ever heard. Like we didn't go deep, but it was so refreshing. It was like, man, that guy. And he's like 130 years old. He's yeah. a dinosaur on stage. He but was it your was, dad's pastor way it back. It was so solid. Charles Stanley. I, so in the hospital, I was like, I need to walk. I need something. I need to be fed. Um, and I watched. I, I, I haven't shared this with anyone. That's but, fascinating. But I actually just all by myself with a nurse in the hospital. Watched a Charles Stanley Bible study about peace, about you know, huh. the peace that surpasses understanding. And it ministered to me as I'm laying there. So my, my point is like, you can find good Bible teaching, uh, TV, the internet, like it's there, but nothing replaces plugging in, uh, to a community of, of believers. And that is such an important thing. I will say, if you could flip the camera back to you, two things okay. I, I want to point out. Hi. Uh, uh, one, uh, nice, his productions hat. Thank you. Uh, this after, is our... after you got called out last week. I on... thought about it as I was leaving the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, Josh is disappointed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I also noticed that you have a Calvary 316 t-shirt. Yes, I'm basically just a corporate shill. Yeah, and, uh, and so for... do I. I have a Calvary 316. <laughs> yes. I have a Calvary. Like, Jessica made the comment when you walked in, because she's also wearing one, like, is this all the, the merchandise we wear? And at that point, let me introduce the other cast of characters. Yes. Specifically, Dill Daddy Derek, Derek who is, who's rocking the hoodie and the hat. And the hat. <laughs> He's 
He's wearing the same thing he wore on Sunday. It's Absolutely. Wednesday. It's that all clean. Somewhat worries me. <laughs> different shirt. Uh, different undershirt. Yeah. I appreciate that. And underwear and socks. I was going to ask. But these are clean is, anyway, so it doesn't what, matter. I'll wear is, the same thing every single Sunday. This is, I'll do it. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I don't doubt you at all. I don't doubt you. Uh, so in addition to Deal Daddy, we're joined in, in studio by Nicholas Monty. Welcome. Welcome. Man, you're so awkward. It's great. <laughs> And we got oh Spice goodness. Daddy. That's right. So Spice Daddy, show your shirt to the people. I, I love it because my son's Theodore, and you've got what? what describe this is my, your sh- my favorite Wars. president, Theodore Roosevelt. Now, why is Theodore Roosevelt your favorite? Your favorite president? Other than at one point in my life, I was a park ranger, so I have an appreciation for the national parks. The national parks. Ken uh, Burns. Have you ever seen Ken Burns's documentary on I, the national parks? I have not. Oh, it's brilliant. You hands down, absolutely brilliant. You should do but, it. But. He was an actual like he was just a man's man, and he 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 wasn't afraid to just go out and do something adventurous. And I, he, he, I, I you really love that shirt. That. You love that shirt because it, it just Teddy Roosevelt reminds you a lot about me. Yes, I appreciate that. <laughs> so yeah. adventurous. So we're also uh, which means, the which, except yeah. you're missing a mustache. In I did no back. no. So my wife. So I was growing a mustache, two weeks. It was starting to fill in, looking good. And Jessica kind of threw the trump card. She goes, you grow one, I grow one. <laughs> and, you know so, and for two days, I was like, challenge accepted. I'd be like, heck yeah, we both look cool then. I know. No, for two days, it was I was defiant. It was you know, challenge accepted. You had a beard when I when I went back to China the, the last time. And by the time I came back, you didn't have the beard anymore. And I was a little disappointed. I almost stopped going to 316. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had a beard until Mabel was born. And then, like, after two days of her basically ripping out half of my beard, babies and beards, Kyle, you can attest to this. It doesn't It doesn't mix very it's well. not a good She's mix, not a baby yeah. anymore. So, she's not a baby anymore. No, that's, that is a true point. True. So Kyle, also joining us in studio, uh, I like your shirt. Can you show your shirt to the audience? Good old national the, champs. The Atlanta Braves, national champs, uh, world champ, not world even national, champs. World, champs. world champs. And right as of right now, we are in first place along with the Mets. And so we are monitoring the game uh, as we are doing this show live because that's that's kind of what we do. So before we get to you, Creighton, uh, it was expressed right at the onset of the show. So if you're if you're if you're watching online, we welcome you. You can watch Wednesday nights, 8 p.m., our YouTube channel, outlawradio.live, or Facebook, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Uh, not only um, we have a studio of gents, Creighton introduces a topic. It's my job to turn that topic into a Bible study along with the help of these gentlemen. Um, and so if you're watching, what's great is that you can interact with us in real time on the comments section of both the, the YouTube and Facebook threads. Um, before we get to Creighton, however, uh, Justin, right before we went on air, you started like bloviating about something and it was like, let's just, let, let's hit pause. I have no idea where this is going to end up, uh, but I'm throwing it to you. All right. One, one last warning. Are you sure you want to go down this path? I have no idea what path we're going down. <laughs> no, we're so not. I, we are <laughs> not sure. I'm ready. Let's go. All right, so I find myself going down some YouTube black holes every now and then. And my favorite ones. Always very healthy. That's a healthy I, thing. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I love conspiracy theories. So mm. it leads me That's down. That's a great some, qualifier. It, 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 well, it's not really a conspiracy theory per se, but I started thinking about the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. 
And why was, what caused all the changes in animals and people like death and so on by them eating the, uh, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I was thinking maybe there was some kind of virus that mutated from then. Cause you always get these zombie movies where they, these people turn into brain eating zombies from a virus. So what, maybe that's what happened. Hmm. And so your theory is that there was yeah, genetic mutations like all from this original virus that came from them eating from the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. So with that knowledge of good and evil came a virus, and that's what brought forth all these Caused mutations. all the decline. Yeah. Okay, so, so I don't zombies? necessarily agree with you because I think that's crazy. I, but I will, I will, okay, I will. You're, I will, you're about on, to go on. on your rant about <laughs> viruses, aren't you? I'm not exactly. Well, kind of. Oh, uh, yeah. There Here are we go. sections of human DNA that we, are just virus DNA that has now become a part of our full string. Right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's not impossible. What, what, no? causes, what causes A for us to, to, to need to die? But do what I'm thinking is what causes things like animals to want to kill and eat other animals and need meat? Prions. What? what, what <laughs> <laughs> started a prion. Oh, oh my gosh! Right. <laughs> the conspiracy is over. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Craig, we got to go back to whatever the heck you said. Yes. What I said? You've got to. You, you got to elaborate. Like you threw out a very. Here, I'm going to go to you since you're talking. Yeah, I'm way down the docket. So, uh, what did you say? And explain it. Okay. So, uh, I feel like I'm an audience member at the moment. Like, what did Creighton just say? So, I didn't understand so anything he said. Here's the way in a much, much dumber down version of how dumber viruses down work. Or dumbered down. Dumbered down. Okay. Here's the way that viruses work, especially retroviruses like AIDS. Um, they are technically non living, they're little machines that carry around either RNA or DNA. They attach to one of your cells, they inject their DNA string into your cell. It then gets taken up into a nucleus where it cuts part of your DNA and shoves itself into your DNA so that it's now part of your DNA. And it hijacks the part of your cell that replicates cells and tells it to stop replicating cells and begin replicating viruses. Um, so if that happens in a gamete, meaning either sperm or egg, it will then continue on the line. There will be that section of virus DNA. There's a and small so, important thing you're missing to yeah, clarify here. Go is for that it. this area of the DNA that this virus injects things into is basically like computer code that doesn't do anything. It oh, doesn't yeah. it doesn't control, you know, any sort of hair color, eye color, anything like that. It doesn't it's, actually code for anything because there's a bunch of our DNA but that doesn't actually code that's for what anything. I'm that's what I'm saying because viruses mutate. Yeah. And so what if there was only one virus and it wouldn't have even propagated unless you ate from the knowledge of tree good of evil. You know, like the I fruit said from there. And then totally possible. I know totally that's possible. What I'm crazy. And I don't possible. know why I thought of it. I just thought it was a cool idea. It's like a halfway pressed. good argument. So I'll buy it. I'm good. It's <laughs> <laughs> a halfway good argument. So I'm sold. I, I got to back up a little bit. And again, I feel like I'm the audience member now, like asking questions. So, you know, we, we have all different kind of classifications of animals and, uh, and bacteria, and they go down to like their, their most basic, you know, 
single cell organisms mm-hmm. and we, you know, we have all types of what we classify living, you know, life. Um, maybe take one step back because I, I know that, that this is kind of like a geeky subject for you. Yes. Um, which is what's funny is like we've, Justin has hijacked the show <laughs> and made you the main the correspondent here, which is wonderful. Um, explain what makes a virus very unique and, and how that might tie in a oh, bit yeah. to what Justin is actually saying. You're okay. like, oh, yeah, this is a whole thing I didn't think about talking about. Yes, but I can. I can talk for hours about this. Because now so, I'm the audience. Viruses are technically uh, non-living matter. Matter. In- we need to pause. Okay. Steel Daddy Derek just like kicks his feet up. Hey, I'm listening. I'm like, here we go. I was like, just getting ready to. This listen. is where we are. We're going to listen I'm to Craig excited. talk hey, about. This is all out of joy. It is not out of any disrespect. <laughs> Ears were open. We're open. Okay, How so. long until Nick falls asleep? That That's kind of the overall. Oh, Let's yeah, see. that's the question. No. Yeah, okay, that's so. the question. Okay, so, back to you. Go for yeah. it. So um, we classify matter into three things. It's either living, meaning that it's alive. No it's kidding. dead, meaning like, you know, your uh, your desk was once living, but is no longer living. It's dead. And we have non-living, which are things like, you know, iron, oxygen, Everything else that's not living or once was plutonium, living. plutonium, non-living uh, viruses are very unique because they're the only thing with DNA that isn't living uh, because technically they're not living because we just we define something as living uh, by four criteria. It has to grow. It has to use energy. It has to be made of cells and has to be able to reproduce. Viruses miss on three of those four, I think. Because uh, viruses don't grow, they're not made of cells, and they cannot reproduce, which is why they inject their DNA into your cells. So they're like a parasite in that sense. They're like, kind of, because parasites are living. Like are a tapeworm is very okay. clearly living. They can reproduce, and they need a host. They need a host to propagate. But the thing that makes viruses interesting is that they cannot. They do not have the inside of themselves. They don't have the ability to reproduce. Every cell in your body has the ability to reproduce. Like it can split through meiosis or mitosis. It can split and become two cells. Or depending on if it's meiosis, it doesn't technically become two cells. That doesn't matter. It can split and become two cells. It can reproduce itself. It grows. It adds more organelles. It grows in size. And then it splits. That's how, that's the cell life short. Just grows. Viruses do not grow. They are created out of a cell. They make a bunch of them until they burst the cell with how many physical viruses have been created. They burst it and they go everywhere. And they're the same size from the time they come out of that cell to when they inject their DNA into another cell. They don't grow. USB. It's just the USB of the body. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't need anything else. It's it's literally just a USB data stick. Yeah. Um, So it doesn't grow. It's not made of cells. Um, it does consume energy, um, but it can't reproduce. So they're not technically living. And there is, there's a theory that I have a, I have a pet theory that does. Okay. Kind of t- I'm going to, I'm going to interject real quick okay. because I, I'm going to kind of give you a, a softball lead in. Okay. Because we've, we've had commerce. So for those of you that might not know of how this kind of iteration of the outlaw radio show kind of developed. So there's been a couple different versions of the show. Um, about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, you know, we decided to kind of like redo 
what it is that the show is about. And, and that, that, and the basis of it was the fact that like you would come produce the show where I would rant on something and then we'd hang out afterwards. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing this for years, even without the show, but like we would sit on my back deck, it'd be like a cool night, have a fire. And, uh, and we would have the conversation, like you would drop some weird topic and we would talk about it. And it was like, at some point, I turned to you and was like, this should be the outlaw radio show. Yeah. Like, this is how this should be. So we've had, like, weird conversations before. So I'm going to give you a softball here. Um, so you're a creationist like I am. Yes. You believe in a, in a literal interpretation of Genesis 1 and 2. Um, God created all things. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a question of, like, well, when were the angelic hosts created? Th there might be some debate in regards to exactly how that fits heaven, hell, where, where all that fits within the gambit. But going back to the classifications of the natural world, of what we have. So because of its uniqueness, where do you think, do you think that God created viruses or that they were created? Um, Is that a good lead in? Yes. Okay. So I think that viruses were created when God cursed man. Uh, I think that, I think that, you know, that could, that could tie into right, so the, this the, eating of the eating of the tree, <laughs> which I didn't think about until he, so well, he, see what the way I'm yeah. thinking is it was one original virus mm -hmm. that has now mutated into differing viruses that cause differing things. So the only problem I have with that is because viruses are so weird in terms of everything else in creation. I think it has to be separate from creation. I mean, it couldn't have been created at the same time as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But I think when God says, uh, you know, thorns and thistles, pause, all pause, that kind of stuff. Pause. Let me, th let me throw okay. in a, a theological thought though. So, cause, cause I'm, I'm kind of like connecting. I've never thought about any of this, by the way. <laughs> so this is, this is a whole new thing for me. Kyle, how, how do you feel about it? Uh, Creighton talking about this stuff all the time. <laughs> I know he has no life, and we're trying to find him a girlfriend. I get that. Um, cool. <laughs> so, but like, okay, so so let me throw out a hypothetical scenario, Justin. Because now let's let's bridge in the idea of sovereignty and free will. And like, okay, so God created man with free will. But free will doesn't, it doesn't exist without options without the ability to choose, which is why God, there was the tree of life, but then God also put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of describe some of this that might be elementary, but just in case you're watching and you might not know the, the story of Genesis, God created the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and of, he gave Adam and Eve dominion over the garden. And he told them of all of the fruit you can eat, like enjoy it. You're naked have fun, party on. It's great. Enjoy life. Walk with me in the, in the cool of the garden in the evening. It'll be great. Just there's one thing, uh, stay away from like, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for the day that you do, you'll die. Like it was just, it was a simple command. Um, uh, here, here it is. This is the life I have for you. Enjoy it. Rock out, have fun, but for free will, because again, if there's not free will, then then how does God know that man can reciprocate the love, mm -hmm. the love that God shows man? Man can't reciprocate it if there's not an option not to love. You're a robot. I will love you no matter what, no matter what. So there has to be an option. Love fundamentally 
uh, demands choice. Love, and this is why it's such a scary thing for people. Um, love demands a vulnerability. Love demands the opportunity to not be loved back in, in return. Uh, love is a scary thing because, again, it, it engages free will and its most foundational element. So God creates the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, don't eat it. Like, it's the only thing. Just, it's off limits. Stay away from it. And then, of course, Adam and Eve, you know, Eve is tempted. She takes of the fruit. She eats. She gives it to Adam. He eats, etc. Now, back to the point and kind of like playing off what you said. So let's say, hypothetically, God, God put within the tree of the knowledge of good and evil a virus. Like, he created it. Sin. Like this, this, like actually, so, so again, God says the day you eat it, you're going to die. Meaning like your fundamental genetics that I've imparted to you so that you would live forever will be corrupted immediately. Like, so it's not just that you're just disobeying me. It's you, it's, it's the thing that you're engaging in will introduce into the human genome, something that's corrupted. Thus, you won't live forever. You will die. Now, Adam and Eve didn't die immediately, but they did die. And we've seen the wages of sin is death. Like there is, again, maybe it is the, vi the virus of sin, we could say. But like, what if God imparted that, that there was, it was more than this symbolic eating of the fruit, but that within the fruit contained this very genetic code of corruption. And thus, then that spread throughout all of humanity and all of the natural world. And that's why we see crazy things that are happening. Mm -hmm. um, my, my point and the reason I bring it up is like, just because God create, let's say God created the virus, put it in the tree, said, don't eat of it. That doesn't mean that God introduced sin because God had a prohibition against it. Like again, sin in, in its in its essence with a lot of things, you know, sin in a lot of ways. And guys, you might be able to echo. Um, like Satan takes things that are good, and he's like abuse it. Mm -hmm. Like sin originates in something that's that's good. Like for example, like God created sex, and and he's like, this is like the substance of human relationship, man and a woman. Oneness, marriage, sex, procreation, enjoyment, pleasure, knock yourselves out. And then Satan comes along and is like, hey, yeah, God created this. It's fun. It's pleasurable. It's good. But like he created these parameters around it. If you break through those parameters, you'll find it to be more enjoyable. It's a lie. It's the deceit. And so like we can take, take sex Engage in something God created in, in a way God said specifically not to engage in. And now it becomes very destructive. Like practical things like, you know, the fermentation process, which is a natural thing. Um, you can enjoy, I mean, Jesus drank. He was accused of being a glutton, a wine bibber. Um, he, the first miracle was turning water into good wine. Um, alcohol in and of itself, it's, it's amoral. It's not, it's not good. It's not bad. It's amoral. It's something that can be partaken of and enjoyed in a very appropriate context. But then what, what does Satan come along? And he says, well, hey, uh, here's another way. Like these safeguards, drunkenness, etc., that God says is sin, the abuse of something that's good. Satan appeals 
to our, our, our weakness. So my point is that like, could the virus have been implanted in the tree? That doesn't make it bad because it's been separated. Mm. So could man have engaged it? Could, could there be more of a physiological manifestation of sin than, than we ever really think about? That's what I was. Yeah. That's, that was my theory. So I did a better job of articulating yeah, articula- your theory. Bad. I'm very bad at. But am, am I am I articulating kind of what you're yeah, saying? Exactly yeah. what I'm saying. I'm saying there was a physical aspect of a virus because viruses mutate into other things and cause different abnormalities. And if you had a super like virus that. that can manifest in all, like it can have all of its spawns, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and, and the way I I see it, you know, the 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 age limits got less and less and less and less. And so there has to be some just environmental issues, but also some physical uh, changes that, that cause the, 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 the maximum that you can age to go down too. I'm going to take this in a really weird direction and just check it. The spirit you know, I had a longer we're alive. I mean, okay, great. Now I'm going to come to you and then I got a weird thing, but I, I just want to give room for uh, the rest of these guys. Some thoughts here, Nick, let's start with you and then work our way back around. Skip and Justin. Yeah. Just random thoughts here. I wish I uh, listened in school. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a complete possibility, but it's hard to, like, how do you know? It's an know. interesting idea, it's, though. Yeah, it's a an cool interesting thought, idea that you never, I've never thought about that, you know? I'm Like, it's a, like a mind. why not? Like, it could very much be that. It could. Kyle, what are your thoughts here? I mean, there's, I don't, there's physical repercussions of sin. Like in, in a lot of different ways. So, I mean, the fact that like what Justin was saying, we're dying earlier and earlier, you know, Adam and Eve didn't die at that moment, but they did start dying at that moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. A virus or a mutation to, to a DNA could absolutely be what causes that, you know, uh, it's an interesting theory. So Creighton, let, let me, let me hear your random thought before I throw in mine. Oh, I was, I was not, I was not talking about the random thought on this. I'm, I think I've said my piece on viruses and my whole theory about them being created. I mean, I had a thought for tonight. Oh, you do that. <laughs> yeah, no, we might get to that uh, <laughs> I yeah, twice in a row. Um, so here's, here's a random thought. Let's, and I have no idea where this goes. And this is just, we're, we're free, free, free throwing consciousness. Um, uh, so, and again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not fully versed in all of this. So are there any positive viruses not that I'm aware of. So viruses are fundamentally destructive. Um, or nothing. Yes. Or neutral. Yeah. I don't, I can't think of anything that is the viruses do that are positive, which is different from bacteria because bacteria, there's some bacteria that are wholly dangerous. Penicillin comes from bacteria. Right. Mm-hmm. Penicillin comes from it. And some bacteria, like life on earth isn't uh, possible without what are called nitrogen fixing bacteria, which are literally just bacteria that, move nitrogen from the soil and the air into tree roots. You've got gut bacteria. Like, you've got gut bacteria. Mouth gut bacteria. There I are mean, all kinds of bacteria that are both good and bad. And if they, get, if they get baby. out of control, then a good bacteria can be bad. But viruses, there's viruses no Viruses like, are just bad as far as I'm aware. I think because by nature, their reproduction cycle is destructive to mm-hmm. the thing that it's put into. The cells. Yeah, the cells yeah. get destroyed by the nature of it replicating okay itself. so that was a big lead-in to to my trippy thought mm-hmm. so 
how scary is it that we have human beings engineering viruses? That's terrifying. Now I'm not. I'm not saying, and this is. I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying coronavirus is a completely man-made in Wuhan lab or an America that was released in Wuhan. Random conspiracy conspiracy theories that are all over the place. But but like we've been living in a this pandemic world of a virus that that again and and there this is mixed. But there are actual epidemiologists that that absolutely say this is not a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Whether that is equated, there are gain of function research that's happening, not in America because it's illegal, but America's financing and other places in the world. Um, again, like, are we, like, is it the height of, of, like, I don't know how to say this, but the grand judgment of humanity is our tinkering with the very code of sin. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like, are you guys following me at all? Yeah. Like, is that like just this weird? And I can, I mean, I can take that one step further and that's the, please do like the reason, like literally the reason that we do gain of function research on viruses and research viruses make viruses. The whole deal is to fight them better, which I think like how many times do you hear people talk about, you know, the, the sin they've overcome in their own life. And it's like, ah, you've just, You've just picked up pride. It's a that worse immediately sin. leads like, to like the, the, the very thing yeah. that's the hallmark of Satan. Right. It's like, hey, you are like, yeah, you've. I'm not an alcoholic right. anymore. I did it. And yeah, you're you're prideful and you're more like Satan than you ever were. Right. I mean, I can definitely see a correlation between the idea of of researching viruses and to overcome viruses as someone like becoming white knuckling making themselves God. Yeah. Literally making themselves God. Playing God, which is the high. I mean, I mean, Paul writes about this. Yeah. Yeah. The splicing uh, stuff that they have now, the gene replication or trying to copy or and stuff. It's like, yeah, why are we doing this? Interesting. All right. Well, I mean, we just, just ranted on, I mean, for the second week in a row, Spice Daddy. You're welcome. Just hijacked <laughs> your show, Creighton. And you know what? You know what's terrible? I was instrumental in this one. <laughs> I know. It sucked you right in. Yeah. Good time. You it did sucked, sucked you in. right in. Well, we've got like 20 minutes, 25 minutes left. So, again, do we have any any interactions on the interwebs? Uh, yes, we have one. Um, that is that uh, Jennifer, our longtime friend of, of the show. Of course, Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer. Um, when you were talking about uh, uh, sermon, not sermons, but pastors to watch she mentioned uh, a guy named blake west cca oh yeah calvary alpharetta no he reached out to me recently invited me to his church to share my story oh cool and uh, and i told him no (laughs) (laughs) no i actually actually told him i said i said hey listen man uh, i took four i took basically five and a half months off this year at calvary 316 and if there's a sunday i'm preaching it's going to be at calvary 316 Mm -hmm. so at the end of the year beginning of next year if there's a date that will work um, I'll have Kyle preach at Calvary 360. They they got enough of Kyle this year. Um, so maybe we'll yeah. introduce Kyle back next year. Um, but uh, no, no, it was, it was just like, I called him. He was like, Hey man, I completely understand. I was like, man, I got, I got to be at my church. Um, I will say Jennifer, this is interesting. And I've kind of teased the audience. I, th- I think we can do this. We don't have a date yet. So last week we did this really trippy episode on the shroud of Turin. And, um, and this was like Justin's day in the sun. 
he could finally go on the record about this weird thing he's talked about for years. Uh, sadly, Justin made it all about his buddy Dave. Um, you <laughs> know, it was his job. moment, and he and he deferred. So we've actually had some conversations with Dave about doing a show, and we're in the the early workings of maybe doing the first live audience version of the Outlaw Radio Show, and actually moving the studio to the stage of the church, Calvary 316, and doing a live show. And so that's that's kind of in the works, a little tease. And uh, and because and, and really the essence is that Dave has, what was it with the shroud? He's got one of the five original high res picture copies of the. Now shroud. now when you said the, a picture copy, I just imagined in my mind like a, you know, eight by eleven, an yeah. eight by eleven picture copy. No no. Yeah. So it's the nineteen eighties when they went to Turin, Italy to study it. They made I think, can't remember if it's five or so. This eight photo copies. is how big. Full the size. full size. Like how big? Uh, at least 13, 14 feet long by three or four feet wide. Okay, so that became like, well, if we had Dave if we had Dave come in to do a, a follow-up episode to this topic, we would want him to bring this copy of the Shroud of Turin, but there's no way in, in the studio here. We'd have to take out a wall. We would have to. Like, we could do that. Reconstruct the house. My wife would not be cool with that. Uh, so, But we have plenty of space at the church. So the thought was, well, maybe we can do a live episode and invite everybody. Like, hey, come to the live episode of the Outlaw Radio Show and it'll, it'll be fun. So that's in the works. Looking at sometime in November. Uh, we'll keep you keep you updated. Now, Creighton, we've got, again, like 20 minutes. My goodness. All right. So speaking of the Shroud of Turin, good lead in. Um, I want to talk today about relics and icons. Because we talked about the Shroud of Turin, which might be the second most famous relic uh, to ever have existed. What um, would the first be? The Holy Grail. Oh, okay. Like the Ark of the you know. Covenant. All right. Shroud of Turin <laughs> is the third <laughs> most famous relic. What about the menorah? Um, menorah is not a relic. Okay. You're um, going to have to define some things okay. here. So just so, continue. So I want to, I want to talk about relics because I think if you watched the show last week, which you showed, it was very good. Um, I had a very uh, stark reaction to you talking had nothing, about the Shroud You had of nothing Turin. to do with the episode. This I was not that, your topic. I'm not saying that I did. I'm saying that I had a reaction when the Shroud of Turin was brought up because I reacted like you were a appalled. Protestant. You were appalled. I, was like, I, just appalled. Got, I just got hijacked for the yes. Shroud of Turin. Yes, I was appalled. Which I'm a ended up becoming a more a more entertaining episode than anything you've presented. Oh, you know, you keep saying things like that. I'm going to stay home Dig. next Wednesday. Have fun. I'm keeping my laptop with me. Um, so I was appalled that we did the that we were doing the Shroud of Turin because I think <laughs> I think Shroud of Turin. I think you know, like people carrying around wing the nuts. knuckle bones of saints, wing nuts, because wing nuts, hokum. Um. So my question is. So now you decided, let's have another episode about relics. Yes, relics. Icons. And icons. If you don't know what a relic is, a relic is basically, and I'm going to be, it's a patchwork definition. They're pieces of antiquity that people believe uh, have magical powers because they either came in contact with uh, a saint or Jesus or Abraham, I guess. Um, And there is like some evidence of this give some examples of what you're talking about uh i don't have any good the easiest ones to talk about are the the ark of the covenant 
No, but the you Holy threw out Grail, like an apostle or whatever, the, the bones of an apostle or something. Yeah, there are, I mean, I don't have, I didn't come up with, I didn't come with a... Um, you had a topic and you didn't come with supporting... I wasn't expecting you to ask me, someone who has never been to a Catholic church for, uh, okay, well, that was easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you left yourself on camera. You left yourself on camera for that realization. All right, so... That was, that was funny. We have uh, the scourging pillars of St. Peter and Paul. Uh, the head of St. John the Baptist, St. Paul's chains, the beheading column of St. Paul, the Shroud of Turin came up, Jesus's crown of thorns. Um, there are a lot of wooden these pieces where of people, the cross, wooden like pieces that. of the cross, nails, nine inch nails, uh, decent band. Yeah. incorrupt really. no. bodies. <laughs> what? Incorrupt bodies. And the picture that I'm seeing online is just an old lady in a glass coffin. And it looks like she isn't decaying, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> the scourging column of Jesus Christ, the right. burial so what's your, slab. What's your question about relics and icons? Like, what is the question? Is there any validity to them if the Shroud of Turin actually is Jesus? And it, other than being a cool, like, memento and possibly having uh, scientific uh, ramifications for... Setting the, last week's episode aside. Of, right. Is there actually any reason to care about relics, to search out the Holy Grail? If you drink it, will you have eternal life? Um, is Okay, let, know, let, me, let me jump right in right there. Okay. There, there are two questions you asked. Is there, is there a purpose in searching them out? Uh, to that, I would say, yes, there's a purpose in searching them out. Why do you search them out? For power or for evidence? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think those are two different things. For power, no. For evidence, yes. I, I'll throw I'll throw the biggest relic that ex, that it, so we're gonna kind of Protestantize this a little bit because I'm not Roman Catholic. There's a reason, and 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 again, we don't have time to go into like the history of relics and icons. Oh, we would have. Yep. Uh, blah 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 blah. <laughs> Blame Spice Daddy, not me. I can't help it. I got good ideas. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate that. But like, like again, we can go back to the 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 Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, and 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 the kickback to relics and icons and what they were being used for. Because the, the origins is that they were selling stuff that you could buy, and in buying that, you were gaining uh, tokens for your loved ones that were stuck in purgatory to get to heaven. the The origins of the idea of relics and icons within Catholicism is based in, in a really perverse idea of purgatory and the fact that like there's some sin I've got to work off, but I can't work it off. So I need my loved ones on earth to buy things to gain me tokens so I can ultimately get to heaven. It was a, it was a money-making scheme. It was corrupt. It was, it was rooted in evil. It was wrong. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in the flyby, like icons, relics from a Protestant perspective, we reject that it's garbage. Now there are some interesting archeological things I wouldn't classify as relics or icons, but to kind of play with the idea a little bit, if that if if that would make sense to me, the biggest one is like Noah's Ark. Yeah, yeah. so let's talk about one. Noah's Ark. Yeah, like Noah's Noah's freaking Ark. Um, should we pursue? So we're told in Genesis where Noah's Ark rested, Mount Ararat. There is an actual Mount Ararat that's in Turkey. It's under Muslim control. Um, I taught a whole Bible study on this, and maybe we could do a whole episode on it if we wanted to, because I have the actual satellite photographs from the 40s and the 50s 
of, you know, we were doing recon, U.S. military was doing reconnaissance. It was technically in the Soviet side. We were doing reconnaissance missions and took aerial photographs, and those photographs revealed a boat-like structure on the top of this stinking mountain covered in glaciers. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been attempts of excavations to go up and to, to examine Noah's Ark. You'll Google and find the History Channel doing a special on it, all that's garbage. There have been Chinese expeditions, which are interesting because the Chinese have more influence and the ability to go uh, into areas that America is not allowed to go. Uh, the Muslim world controls it. They don't want people to go up there. Uh, it is believed that, the, that, that that structure split into two. I mean, there are high-res photographs. Um, pretty awesome. Again, the discovery of Noah's Ark on the location that the Bible places it at would be a radical, uh, re- amazing discovery. Why? Because if I touch the wood or I own a piece of the wood, I have magical powers? No, because it, it provides, and again, Justin, this is kind of your wheelhouse, but it's like archaeological evidence of, of a biblical narrative. Um, same like, you know, digging in the northern parts of the Red Sea and discovering a lot of ancient, Egyptian chariots would validate, you know, a biblical narrative of the escape of the Jews through the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, et cetera. Justin, you're ready to jump on something. Yeah, so pitch uh, just, your just because, uh, so when, when, when I first decided to become an archaeologist, I saw, saw some videos by a guy named Ron Wyatt, or Wyant, I can't remember exactly how you say his last name, uh, and that, that got me interested in archaeology. Turns out later on, this guy was a big fraud. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff he documented, he just basically made up. Right. And even though it turned out pretty cool for me because it got me interested in archaeology since, like, sixth grade. So, uh, uh, but I think one thing people have to be, especially Christians, don't just jump on stuff and claims from people who have said they found something. Uh, there needs to be, it needs to be within the realm of a scientific process. Okay. I'm going to jump in because I'm going to actually throw it back to you about something we've, we, you and I have been talking about. Um, one of the coolest things. So when I, I went to Israel, I've only been to Israel once. Uh, it was right before Jessica and I got married. It was going to be 2006. I went to Israel and, and, and at the time went to Jerusalem. They were at the very beginning stages of a dig in the Southern part of the old city. And it was basically the ancient city of David. Like they were finding archeological evidence of the city of David. And to me, like this is a great example because it's like, like this places the kingdom of Israel in the city of Jerusalem with David and coinage, like a thousand BC, you know, which blows out the narrative of so many different things substantiates a biblical narrative. I know you've been on that dig, right? Yeah. I know the people that, that are doing it. Yeah. Right. And it, and it's a, it, and I mean, 20 years later, it's a massive, I mean, they've uncovered all kinds of stuff now carrying it forward. Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, again, it's, it's so being in, in who I am as a believer, it's you get two sides to the archaeological, especially biblical archaeological stuff. You get the people that are in it for the the, the archaeological aspect of it, and you got the 
the people that are like super, for lack of a better term, super religious propagandists. Yeah, yeah, propagandists, and 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 I don't really fit in either either category. I, like I I I know the Bible's true. I don't need these relics to to tell me that the Bible's true. I think that's a good point. Yeah, but at the same time, every time. The Bible is full of archaeological evidence. Like there hasn't been anything that's disproved the Bible so far. I mean, the most recent thing is when they found that the ossuary box that said the brother of Jesus, um, or uh, or in Caesarea Philippi where they uncovered the stone in the amphitheater, right? That had Pontius Pilate, right? And, written and on so Pontius Pilate. There, we're constantly finding stuff right. that that he, I, you're not proving the Bible. It's just that. We know the Bible's true. It's just validating it. Yeah. Right. And, and we're actually finding stuff. And, and, and that's what I find so interesting about archaeology in general is you're finding stuff that verifies what I already know. And, and as a scientist or an archaeologist, I don't go into it to verify my findings. I try and disprove, disprove what I, I think. And by that, when I do verify it, then, then it's validated. I, no, I, I, I understand. So Creighton, is that kind of like yeah, play um, into what we're what we're discussing? That does. And we have a question before I wanna yeah, have a question from in. the audience that I wanna ask Justin before we get off of this. Uh, Jennifer has asked what your thoughts on the magazine Biblical Archaeology is. I don't know if you ever heard biblical of it. Biblical archaeology biblical archaeology review. She just said biblical archaeology. Let's say I don't it's, know it's, it's biblical archaeology review or bar as one of the bigger ones. Yeah, I know some of the guys over there. What do you think about it? They throw out good stuff. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have different editors and different articles written by different people. But I mean, it, it's it's again as can, an organization. Do you think that they approach? Are they approaching with an agenda? Or are they are they? trying to actually some people are some people aren't you're so gonna it get depends that with, on the editor it depends on the editor depends on the archaeologist like for, for example at, at my school for my master's degree i you know a couple of my professors were basically big proponents of david and and solomon having never existed really? and, yeah and, and so they they've more recently been pretty well disproven on that that fact that's been debunked yeah and and so you you get people with an agenda especially in the scientific world you get a bunch of atheists i mean half the people i know that were biblical scholars that were in in my my world uh are atheists they teach the bible but they're atheists and and so they they have an agenda but when you have evidence supporting stuff that's in the bible it's hard to (laughs) it's hard to disprove stuff so it's uh you keep let me let me turn this entire topic a hard right into some application. Sounds like a plan. So, you know, it's interesting. Again, we, we reject the notion of relics and icons having some type of power. It is true that loosely in their definition, they can be interesting because they validate. They can be evidence of things, especially if they're proven to be true, etc. Like the Shroud of Turin, as we talked about last week. Could be could be interesting if it's real, because it could be evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. Like the only explanation for this could be could be resurrection power, um, you know, and, and light radiation, etc. Um, I, I want to take like kind of just a totally different angle on the idea of, um, you know, so so part of your question was like these things having power, mm-hmm. like they're being pow- like innate power in a physical object. 
Um, well, I mean, scripturally, there's only one thing that we know for sure, an innate object that had actual supernatural power, and that was the Ark of the Covenant. Um, there's evidence of that throughout the Old Testament, not just in its creation, its formation, uh, the fact that it was carried into war, the, the story with the Philistines, uh, Uzziah dying by touching it. Um, it was the seed of God. It was to remain holy and set apart. But what's interesting is that when you go back, especially Leviticus, well, uh, parts of Exodus, Numbers, Levit Leviticus, Deuteronomy, etc. Like when you get into the law, and especially the, the, the instructions that God gave Moses regarding the formations of the tabernacle that would later become the temple and, and more particularly the artifacts. So let's talk about the artifacts, the table showbread. Um, the altar itself, um, the, the, the veil that separated, like all of these different things, the utensils that were used. Like God gave very specific instructions to Moses on how these things were to be crafted, how they were to be made, what materials were to be used, um, because they were to serve a very holy and particular function. They were innate objects. Like they were physical objects made with raw ma earthly materials from gold to the wood to the inlays, etc., to the stones of the breastplate, the clothing that the priests were to wear. They were all holy. And all of them have been recreated in preparation for a new temple. For a new temple. Mm -hmm. but, but this is what's interesting about them in, in, the, in the context that, that I want to talk about with, in light of what, of what you're bringing up. So, so we have these things that were uh, God gave instructions to use natural materials to be made by human artisans. Like, nothing intrinsically about any of these things were special at all. Like, they, we're talking about raw earth materials. You know, wool, linen, taken from animals, etc. But what made all of these things special? What made all of them holy? What made them set apart? What made them powerful? It wasn't the essence of themselves. It was that God, God separated them, sprinkled them with blood of the sacrifice, and designated God designated them as holy. They weren't holy because of themselves. They were holy because God sprinkled it with his blood and designated them as holy. That's the only thing that made them powerful is because God covered them with his blood, and designated them a certain way. Intrinsically, there was nothing natural about themselves that made them distinct in any way. God made them distinct. I carried that forth because set aside relics and icons and whatnot. What is powerful in this world? You and I. Made of what? Dirt. We're not special in and of ourselves. We're not natural in any regard. But what makes us powerful? Because we've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. We've been set aside to be holy. God has made us something else. He's, he's taken what was natural, set it aside, designated it, and then anointed it and empowered it. Mm -hmm. So you and I are, are what's powerful in this world. Not because of ourselves, but because of what God has done on us and in us. He separated us. He's anointed us. He's empowered us. So if you want to talk about power in the world... What is, what, where is the power in the world? Is it in an icon? Is it, in a, is it in a relic? No. 
it's actually in the flesh and blood of people redeemed by Jesus, empowered and filled by his spirit and anointed by his blood. So when we talk about the power of a relic, it's the power of you and I filled and anointed by God. Such as, and again, going back to like, are there examples of innate objects having supernatural power? Yeah. You want to know the, the, the most radical examples of that? It's people. It's why the sick are called to go to the elders of the church and be anointed by oil, by them, or to be prayed on. It's why you have examples of Peter, like flesh and blood I don't have, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And Peter was able to demonstrate power, and the guy rose up and walked. Like, where, where do you see the manifestations of power in innate objects, physical objects? It's in people. How? The anointing, the redemption, the empowering of God. So if you want to talk about a relic that has power, it's you, it's me. Because we've been saved by Jesus, covered in his blood and anointed and filled by his spirit. So, any thoughts, you guys? Yeah, no, that's pretty well spoken. Yeah. I, yeah. I got something to add. Yeah, add to I it. think we might have, you know, maybe all the people who are watching already know this, but skirted around the, the, the warning that comes with this topic, too. Is that you know there are, there are things that God obviously wanted made you know whether that be the you know the design of of the temple or um, you know I think there was even a golden calf at one time with Aaron and Moses that wasn't bad at the beginning but became an idol. If you the 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 thing to look out for with any sort of physical item um, is that you you try to try to look for power in it and it ends up becoming something that is a graven image. Um, I see what you mean. Yeah. Right on. I mean, yeah. yeah, the power of a graven image. Yeah, no. And a graven image can be anything. Mm-hmm. It could be a wife. Yeah. It could be a job. It could be a, 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 someone that's famous. A hobby. A hobby. Graven images come in all safe, safe shapes and sizes. Any other thoughts? It's your chance. Nicholas, Dill Daddy, Justin. Well, Creighton, we kind of hijacked your show. You know what? I, I, I hate it. I hate every moment of it, but I didn't hate it. So um, <laughs> You've made no, no sense. sense at all. I think that made perfect, perfect sense. Uh, I thought this was a good show. Um, yeah. So let me, let me ask, if, if there's somebody watching, or let's say they're listening on the podcast, which will be released tomorrow, um, and they have a thought or a question uh, to make a, an episode, how, how could that be manifested? Um, they're going to want to find Justin's phone number and have Justin's him communicate phone. with you uh, so that you guys can hide. No. Uh, that might put be it in true. the comments during a show, and I'll see it. You can also email me directly. Uh, my email is CreightonVaughn at gmail.com. Uh, I'll put that in the comments because my name is hard to spell. CreightonVaughn at gmail.com. We do want to just take a moment and um, send out our thoughts and prayers to everyone that is in the pathway of Hurricane Ian. Um, pretty crazy. Cat 4, maybe, they say, could be revised to a Cat 5. Hit hit the western side of Florida today. It's going to cut across the, the, the peninsula. Um, again, everybody that might be in the way. We have, we have Joe and Teresa are, are up in Orlando. They're going to they're gonna get hit by a lot of rain. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with everyone uh, in the path of the hurricane. Uh, please be safe. If you need help, call us. I actually got a, a Teresa, uh, 
our, who's our sister who lives in that area, um, in the facility, they needed like, Hey, if you're staying, uh, we need a con, we need a, no- a contact number, uh, that the emergency services can call in the case that we can't reach you. So they gave them my number. So <laughs> Teresa like face, I'm like, Hey, uh, if emergency <laughs> services call you, uh, can you guys get some trucks and a boat and come rescue us? And I was like, we're there, Teresa. We got you. So again, for everybody in the pathway of this hurricane, we love you. We're praying for you. Stay safe. High, high ground. Um, anything else before we tap out, guys? Uh, I missed a comment earlier because okay. Facebook is messing up. Uh, Miss Ann David says hi. Um, my heart jumps for joy yes. to hear from Ann David. So uh, another survivor of COVID. Um, I will be forever linked and intertwined with that woman. I love her to death. So anything else, Creighton? Thank you for the, thank you for the topic kind of rolling with it. Yeah. Uh, Good one. Nice t-shirt. Nice hat. Fellas, thank you for being on the show. Well, you have been uh, watching the outlaw radio show. If you're watching live uh, Wednesday nights, 8 PM, check out the podcast tomorrow. Uh, The audio of today's episode will be podcasted in its entirety. Apple, Google, Spotify. If you are listening to the audio of this episode on the podcast, Check out the live stream Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Uh, we go live on YouTube. Easiest way to find our YouTube channel is outlawradio.live. Or you can uh, watch on Facebook. Our page is facebook.com, the radio outlaw. Uh, once again, my name is Zach Adams. I hope you join me and the guys this time next Wednesday uh, again for another episode of the Outlaw Radio Show. <laughs>